Hello, and welcome to the Wedding Dish Podcast. Grab your fork and knife and take a seat at our table as we dish on all things weddings. You'll hear stories and tips from real couples and wedding pros about life, love, and entrepreneurship. Let's dish. I am Sarah Alipin. I am the host of The Wedding Dish and CEO of Photos from the Hardy and District Bliss. And today I have one of my actual favorite people here um, who I work with on a regular basis in both of my businesses. Um, and I'm really excited to have him joining me today on The Wedding Dish because he is an amazingly talented photographer. Um, he has an eye that I just, I love his work. I cannot say enough good things about him. Um, the CEO and photographer behind Chris For- Forenzi Photography, Chris Forenzi. Thank you so much for being here today. Hello. Thanks for having me. Of course. And Cluzo just heard your voice and barked downstairs, my little Frenchy bud. Yeah, I don't think I ever, ever actually heard your dog's name pronounced. So that was like, now I know. That's oh. the first time I've ever heard your dog's name aloud. Oh, that's so funny. He's named like, after the Pink Panther. I thought it was like Klaus or Klausy or something. He gets called that all the time. <laughs> I'm sure he responds to it, just if there's food especially. Yeah, I mean, he is a little potato bat. <laughs> well, I'm so glad to have you here today, Chris, and I'm really excited to dish about some of the things that you have that uh, – some of the, my favorite things about your photography um, – and all just to catch up with you in general, because I have missed working with you during the past couple of months. Um, so let's dive in. <laughs> um, it, has, it has been a couple, a couple crazy, well, more than a couple crazy months, 12, 12 so far. Yeah. Yeah. And the last time Oh, no, it's not the last time I saw you in person, but we did travel to a conference together in L.A., and then we shot a small wedding together, a small, safe COVID wedding. Um, See, I don't even after- remember that. Where where was that? It was like it's all blur. I remember being in California, then coming home, and everything just collapsed. <laughs> yeah, it was we, – <clears throat> we came home, and the world shut down like that next week. Kind of surprised we didn't like catch Get it. COVID, <laughs> considering we were around like a thousand. Well, at least I was around another conference, thousands of people. Yeah, and then, it was crazy. It was crazy, and I feel the same way. I think about that all the time because everybody was like, "Oh, did you pack a mask?" And I was like, "No, I don't even really. knew it was happening at that point." No, I, don't, I didn't I don't either. Think. I didn't either. It was crazy, and we were on multiple planes and in multiple airports and. And I was just licking my hands with wild abandon, you know? I was licking tray tables. <laughs> I mean, that's what <laughs> I normally did before this all started. I can't <laughs> I can't wait until I can do that again. It'll just be, you know, return to normalcy for me. <laughs> As the daughter of a flight attendant, my mom always says, never put anything you want to have touch your face on the tray table. It's like the dirtiest place on the airplane, including more, it's dirtier than the bathroom floor is what she always used to say. Um, So the fact that I just said licking the tray table is like the grossest thing I can think of. You could have been, you could have been talking about like a tray table you have in your house, you know, for your own meals, you know. I'm like sweating. I'm so uncomfortable about it. So let's talk about how you got into photography. You have kind of a crazy story of how you made your way over. So um, let's dive in. Cool. Yeah. um, I think I got my first camera when I was like 10. It was like a a little point and shoot, you know, film camera. and then, I mean, it was interesting. I took pictures of like random flowers and stuff and my dog, but then it wasn't really like a, a big hobby. 
I was more into computers and like nerdy technology things, like building computers, you know, at age 12, like normal 12 year olds do. Um, but then, you know, digital, digital cameras were starting to, you know, make an appearance on the, on the scene in a way that they were actually quality digital cameras. So the fact that I like computers, loved computers, super, super computer nerd sort of uh, pushed me into being, to getting a digital camera. Um, like, I don't think I would have gotten into photography had it just been film and it continued to just be film. Like the fact that I was into computers um, and digital cameras existed, which connected to computers, brought me in um, to the photography world. Um, and one of my first pictures with my digital camera was a picture of an Altoid, uh, a macro picture of an Altoid that I heavily over-edited like contrast plus a hundred looks really cool. It looks like the sci-fi scene. It's like red because I made everything red back then. Um, and really contrasty and, you know, it was super over sharpened, but it looks really cool. And that was like my first artistic picture ever. Um, but yeah, um, the ca first camera, I, digital camera I had was the cool picks, the Nikon, Nikon all the way back, Nikon cool picks, 990. Um, it was like this re rectangular thing and the lens was like in that you could rotate the lens independent of the main body. So um, you could keep the screen directly facing your face and then rotate the lens around so you could aim the lens at whatever you wanted. Um, I still have that camera somewhere, but you know, it was my first, it was my first digital camera. Oh, wow. That's crazy. And you know, I have the opposite story because I started out film and I 100% would still be running a dark room if I could be. Well, uh, you're you're like a little older than me. So you were like coming of age in the um in the artistic world, you know, when the film was still the thing. Yeah, I mean, there's something so magic about the dark room. I've uh, never I've never touched I've never developed film. I've touched I've touched film. I've never developed any any film. It's crazy, right? I that is the first thing that is going to be our photography retreat. The two of us <laughs> developing film. Yes. Oh my gosh. There's a place that's right here too. You can do it at Glen Echo. Ooh, in, inside that, um, uh, merry-go-round, that creepy <laughs> merry-go-round. What is there that? Is Glen a... Echo. What is that place called? <laughs> that's like Glen Echo. Glen Echo. That's... Yeah. Yeah. So uh, all those like former shops and things, they turned into art centers and mm. one of them is a photography studio. Um, so I don't know if you even know this. Do you know that I taught darkroom photography? Um, yes, I did. Okay. So while I was working my photo, my master's degree in photography, I was teaching at a darkroom. And so I used to work with the guy that ran it who... God, that was so long ago now. I hope he's retired for his sake because I think he was retired from teaching at that point. And I think he used to teach at the school I taught at, um, if I remember correctly. So, um, yeah, but we used to have to get chemicals from them sometimes when things were like running mm -hmm. low because it was late in the photog darkroom photography game, <laughs> as it were. Yeah. Actually, I just started getting in. "Quote unquote," getting into film, I bought um, some film cameras, um, and I've been like playing around with you know different kinds of black and white film, Kodak Portra four hundred, which is like the portrait film. Um, and I joined this um, this film subscription uh, mail subscription thing. It's um, the guy's based in England. It's called. Um, film uh, or analog um I, f I forget what it's called i'll i'll, I'll think of it and, and, and tell you but um they basically mail you like different kinds of weird films every month um like one film is made out of this old russian uh cinema film that's was turned into uh film for i think a 35 millimeter camera um and other times they give you like this infrared iso 50 film Sometimes they give you this um, creative film that's like uh, processed a certain way where like you have color shifts sort of built into the film. So instead of like digital and Lightroom where you like, you know, change the color green to like, you know, a different shade of green or, you know, a purple, completely different color. Um, the film shifted the greens to purple 
you know, in the film itself. So you develop it normally, you know, normal C41, you know, color development process and it, the greens are purple. Um, so like cool films like that. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, it's expensive. It's really expensive to shoot film. Um, like each roll ends up costing, I don't even know, like to develop, to get it scanned. I send it in to do both of those. It's like 25 bucks, you know, including the cost of the roll, shipping it to the company, having them do the developing, the scanning and shipping the negatives back. It's like, how do people, how do people do this? Like it's 24 exposures. Like I shoot 8,000 pictures at a wedding. Like if I did that, it'd be the film cost alone would be enough to buy a house. That's so interesting. I never have thought about, because you and I do shoot so differently in some ways and I don't take as many pictures at weddings as you do. Mine are like very intentional. It probably is because I was film raised, essentially. Um, I intentionally take a lot. That's my intention. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you do a great job. Um, I guess part of it's like my insecurity that I won't get it, you know? So I I don't just want to take one because I'm like, what if I miss it? I'll take 10. And of course, all 10 are good or nine of the 10 are good. Well, yeah. Then how do you choose which ones to send? Yeah, that's that's the problem too. It results in a lot of uh, a lot more post production work. <laughs> that's always where I end up. I'm like, well, now I have these seven photos that I love of this like weird one off situation with this kid or dog or something, but I don't want to like get rid of them because if I love them, they'll probably love them too. So then I just end up sending them, and I'm like, I'm delivering people like. 3,000 photos for the smallest wedding. <laughs> yeah, I noticed I noticed that um, Katie, your former wedding photographer partner, um, used to send me galleries, you know, that you just delivered and they were like a thousand pictures for like a four hour wedding. I'm like, damn, you do include, you actually do include all nine of those pictures where you can't determine <laughs> which moment's best. You just throw them in there. <laughs> well, we crop them a little differently. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good point. Slight different, slightly different edits. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I I guess no picture goes to waste when you're shooting film. <laughs> My um, I went through because I I love spreadsheets and statistics. I went through and calculated how many like how many how many like what percentage like when I when I when I edit a wedding, I go through and I call them. You know, I do a first pass. And on my first pass, I usually get them down to like, based on my data, 30% of the original images, like I call, I call 70% out of, out of that in the first pass. And then I go through a second pass and I'm down to around 20% of the original images that I shot. And my delivery rate is about, is an average of 12.5%. So like every time I shoot a wedding, I can sort of guesstimate how many pictures I'll deliver based on, you know, my past uh, percentage, like 10 to, 10 to 12, 10 to 15% of the total images, depending. I have yeah. never run that data, but I am. You should. It's, 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 I mean, I don't know how useful. Well, it's sort of useful. I it gives mean, me a gen, general bar, ballpark. Um, it also gives you like a general estimate of how much time you're spending editing, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm really, really good at, I mean, I'm sure most photographers are calling. You just like, I'm pressing the arrow like, and then I see one, and I'm like, I pause for half a second. I'm like, I go back to and then pause again. And I'm like this one. And I'm like, and find the next one. So I can go through like a thousand pictures in an obscenely short amount of time for the first pass, second pass and third pass for my calling. I like to go sequentially. So call pass one, pass two, pass three. And then I go through and crop. And then I go through and cut the correct. Um, some people like to do it all at once. I'm more efficient when I'm doing one mode, you know, each time, each time through. But, yeah. um, I'm with you. I yeah, like I can't do the parallel thing with with photo editing. Uh, so what I'll do is I will um, I call probably one third out on my first pass, and then I um, color correct in bulks just mm-hmm. so I can make sure that I can see if everything's in focus, if anything's like darker or whatever, or if there's like any that. Like for some reason the ISO went up and I didn't see it or something. And then I make sure that like I eliminate any of those because I don't want to go back and try to find them afterward. Um, But I probably deliver like two thirds almost of the photos. Like, oh, wow. I don't, maybe like 
50%. It's high. I mean, you're 50% of how many you shoot is probably, you know, a lot. It's probably similar to what my 12%, my 12.5% is of the enormous number that I shoot. So, you know, if you shoot 2,000 pictures and deliver 50%, 50%, I mean, that's 1,000. If I shoot 10,000 pictures or I have 10,000 pictures between me and a second photographer, you know, 12, 15% of that is, you know, not obscenely higher or lower than what you do. That's true. So, okay. One of the reasons that I love working with you is because you're always just like kind of scanning for a really cool like angle or reflection or like way of using light. Um, And it's one of the reasons that I absolutely love your work. Um, You're so good. Yeah, I do. I'm always on alert. I guess it's partially my AD, ADHD uh, interfering, not interfering, assisting with my artistic um, process. I'm always like looking back and forth, trying to figure out some, what's happening in the corner of my eye. And then like, I'll just leave you randomly in the middle of a conversation, I'm, like beat her back and I run over and get a picture. And then I'm like, okay, I'm back. Yeah. Or you like lay down in the grass behind something and take like the most amazing photo. It's that, it's that, uh, it's the, the bokeh, bo- bokeh, bouquet. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Does any photographer actually know how to pronounce that? Bokeh. Bokeh. Well, I think in, in like, it's Japanese word. Um, That's the natural... reason I know how to pronounce it. Okay. Yeah, I just, I just say blurriness, foreground blurriness. The average person understands that. Um, but yeah, a, a trash can out of focus looks beautiful. That's very true. <laughs> That's very true. Um, anything out of focus can look beautiful. Um, I mean, anything very out of focus. Yeah. Anything cropped in a certain way can look beautiful too. Um, but yeah, you have a really great eye for that. And so I'm kind of wondering if that goes some of that like linear part of what pulls your brain, um, when you use symmetry and asymmetry and like lines to emphasize is because of your background in engineering. Yeah, I guess that goes back to my um, my uh, history of becoming a photographer. Um, I went to school for a degree in um, mechanical engineering because while well, I was like super into computers, um, I thought about computer engineering, computer science, but I was like really bad at coding and I didn't want to do any coding. So I figured the next best thing was mechanical engineering. Um, so being, you know, exposed to all that, that, you know, all that math and, you know, design work, um, from, you know, mechanic mechanics, um, you sort of develop, um, an appreciation for, you know, geometry lines, um, interesting angles, um, juxtapositions of shapes. Um, so, I mean, I might've had that sort of predilection before going into engineering, but the engineering degree just well, all the different coursework sort of, um, you know, brought it more to the forefront, I guess. Um, and the funny thing is I hated engineering. Like I loved it hundred percent, like midway through, midway through getting my degree, I was like, this is horrible, but I'm already like thousands of dollars into this thing. So I'm just going to go through and, you know, and I was like, there's no way I'm going to make money doing photography. So why am I even thinking about you know, not doing engineering? Um, but you like stuck with it. Yeah, I mean, I was part of the school newspaper um, photography team. Um, I was the only one with an actual SLR. The other people had like uh, they were, they were taking pictures with these little point and shoots, and point and shoots were pretty pretty bad back in um, 2004 2005. Um, but I felt like superior. I like I have a DSLR. Um, I mean, but honestly, the pictures were better quality because they were a DSLR. But um, one time we had a local photographer. Uh, come and visit give us like a little class a mini mini class about you know, photography he was he worked for a local newspaper um in allentown pennsylvania the morning call and um after the class i asked him if i could like you know help him sometime at the newspaper um he was like sure you don't want to get paid do you and i'm like not at all i'm happy to just like tag along and you know see what you do so I did that, and then I ended up getting an internship there um, through him, unpaid. Um, 
And I was also doing an engineering, it was in the summer, I was also doing an engineering internship at the same time, which was paid. I was doing that from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. every day, making money. I hated it, but I was always looking forward to going to the unpaid internship at at five o'clock every day. I would work seven to three um, for the actual engineering, you know, related job, and then I, afterwards I would go work for the newspaper for free, you know, for another six hours, and that was like the part of the day I actually looked forward to. Um, so I was like, oh, this this could be fun. And then I asked um, Doug, the photographer who I met, you know, through the class who worked the newspaper. Um, he, he also did weddings. So I asked him if I could help, you know, tag along at a wedding sometime and just, you know, try it out. And I did that. And then he ended up like hiring me to be a second shooter for him for, you know, a couple weddings. Um, and at that point, I graduated college and moved down to Virginia for my engineering job. Um, and I was doing weddings at that point my, by myself, but on like two or three a year, um, just like a hobby. Um, I did that for like six or seven years until finally, after like six different government contracting jobs, a contract I was on ended and I was out of a job and I was like, maybe I should just do photography full time, but I was still scared. So I applied for another engineering or project management job at that time. And I got it and it was like making way more, way more money than I'd previously been making at my previous you know contract. But I was like, I'm dreading going to this new job like existential dread. So I was like, uh, maybe, maybe I should not do this. So I rescinded my acceptance, which I didn't think was a thing. I felt guilty for doing it. I'm like, I'm sure they have plenty of other people lined up, lined, lined up for this. But yeah, I was like, sorry, I can't take the job after all. And then I just did full photography full time starting then. I assumed my first year would be horrible. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm set for that. But the first year I, I, I broke even and I made almost 75% of what I was making in my previous job in that first year. And then the second year just got more, got, got better. And then the third year I was making like double what I was making in my previous job. And then 2020 came and it was like, ah, boom, everything exploded. But um, yeah, so that's, I don't know how I got to that, but yes, I like lines and geometry. <laughs> composing images sort of you know based on the engineering <laughs> I love it and I I think we knew each other when you were in engineering when you were an engineer didn't we well at that point I was doing more project management e-things um like we first met I was doing stuff doing weddings part-time still um this is probably like actually 2014 maybe Probably a long time ago. Um, yeah, I was working doing project management for um, the Department of Veterans Affairs as a as a contractor at that point. So yeah, I guess it was like half engineering. It was for an engineering project, but it wasn't actually engineering. That's so interesting. That's, that's crazy. Um, Actually, I'm looking up a picture right now. Uh, maybe it was 2016. I think the first time I met you was 20, 2015 or 2016. But we met that, that Christmas party where you're like, you recognized me and I didn't recognize you. And I was like, who was this person who's talking to me? That was 2016. Because I got so excited and I was like, oh my gosh, how are you? And then I was like, what do you mean you don't know who I am? We're working together. And you were like, uh... <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm not the best with faces at, at times, which is it. The masks now actually make me feel better because I don't like everyone's like no one's expected to recognize anyone with the masks on, basically. So I'm like, well, that's perfect for me. <laughs> and also, I had looked at a bunch of photos from an, an event you had attended. Uh, so you were stalking my face. Yeah, I basically, I just was stalking <laughs> you. <laughs> it's a common problem I've I've heard. And with that, we are going to take a fast break on the wedding dish. We will be right back with Chris Frenzy of Chris Frenzy Photography. And we are back on the wedding dish. I am Sarah Alipin, your hostess with the mostest. And I have with me Chris Frenzy, the photographer behind Chris Frenzy Photography, um, who I can't believe isn't just dying to make fun of me for saying hostess with the mostest. 
I was actually more thinking that I needed to change my business name because Chris Frenzy of Chris Frenzy Photography just sounds stupid when I hear it. <laughs> like, it's like, obviously, it's Chris. There's no one else here. Just me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, but now that you mention it, I was, I am judging you now for saying the, other, <laughs> the hostess thing that I won't repeat. <laughs> so, uh, in case you missed the first half of this episode, Chris and I go way back. Um, we work together, we both love each other's work. Um, We've traveled together. Chris is throwing stuff around and trying to make lots of noise on the podcast. It's accidental. Um, I'm fidgeting. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say nice things about you. Um, let me just sip my wine over here because I'm chilling. <laughs> oh, wow. You actually have wine. I'm drinking water, but you actually have wine. I do actually have wine. <laughs> no one can tell because it's not video, but you're actually drinking a very large glass of wine. It's not that large. It's just a normal it's, it's, glass. It's, it's literally a bottle. You have a bottle in your hand. That's true. And it's attached <laughs> to the glass. So, you know, it's one of those ones where it just like puffs it up into the glass. So you never run out, but your glass is not a big glass. <laughs> That's what people need at weddings. Just to keep things keep things going. <laughs> totally kidding. That is not what's happening. And if that exists, I would like to see it. But um, in the meantime, while someone finds that for us, um, I so Chris and I mentioned that we traveled last year for a conference right before everything kind of went crazy and the wedding world shook and closed for a bit and. All of this is history. Everybody knows. Um, but we traveled for a conference, and then from there, Chris traveled to another conference. And there were some things about it that I thought were um, worth exploring for industry purposes. Um, yes. I mean, that sounds like a good description of the situation. Yes. Uh, nice way of putting it, I think. Um <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm going to give you a bit of a lead in here and not just say, so what'd you think? Like my mom does. Um, so Chris went to this many, conference. I thought, I thought many things. <laughs> many things. And while he explained, he learned a ton from this conference. There, um, there was a stark absence of content that I actually was like, pretty pissed about when he told me so um chris what did you notice like about the styled shoots or what i don't even know what you called them at that conference uh well yeah i mean like you said i mean i've, I've been wanting to go to wppi for years but i was always i was trying to get someone to come with me and no one really no one else really wanted to go and i was i never like, got you know, invited i didn't i guess i did know you i don't know I invited you in my mind, and I just assumed you'd say no. But anyway, um, it was on I my never, way home. I would have gone. I never wanted to go alone, so but I finally just decided, you know, I'm just going to go alone, um, and I did. Um, and it was it was good. I learned a lot of a lot of um, a lot of there was a lot of good content. Um, my SEO journey started there. Um, I learned a lot in the various SEO uh, talks. Um, which motivated me to get like to take further courses, like full-on courses in SEO. Um, there was a lot of um, non-photography stuff too, in terms of like uh, uh, what people, what the speakers are talking about. Some like almost like psychology courses, where it was like you know how to how to understand like the needs of you know the clients. Um, so like what, what how how to best serve them, you know, as a wedding vendor. Um, Versus, you know, how to take an awesome picture or how to, you know, use this tool to like manage your clients better, you know, or like lighting theory, you know, that sort of stuff. It was more, I guess, the softer side of photography. So that was all super helpful because that's like not my best. It wasn't my best area. Um, I was, I'm, I'm more interested in like behind the camera, you know, making the pictures rather than 
dealing with all the, you know, the business stuff. Um, but yeah, um, there was, uh, there was definitely a, there was something there was a distinct lack of in all these different courses and speak, uh, speakers that I was, uh, attending. There was no, like very little diversity. I mean, actually there was no, there was like zero LGBT content. Um, and I was confused about that. I was like, surely there is. And I just weren't, I wasn't going to those specific, you know, talks. I must've missed them. So I did a search through the entire agenda and like the word gay or LGBT did not appear once in the entire agenda. I'm like, well, that's interesting. Um, and then the more I thought about it, the more I, I was remembering like, you know, on the show floor, the expo floor, like Nikon, Canon, Sony, they were all doing, um, like live shoots as part of their presentations, like showing off their gear. They would have two models up on their little stage. And um, they were all straight people. There were like no gay couples whatsoever anywhere. Um, so yeah, that was very interesting considering it's, you know, 2020. And like probably 75% of the weddings I shoot, I mean, DC might, might be a unique case because it's, it's very uh, LGBT. Um, but 75% of the weddings I do are LGBT. And it was just strange not seeing any of that at all at WPPI, um, you know, from WPPI itself in terms of scheduling speakers and, you know, uh, you know, getting, uh, you know, listening content, that type of content from speakers when they're going through and figuring out who's going to be at the event and Nikon and Canon and Sony and all these big companies who are like doing style shoots on the floor with like these super glammed up straight people. It's like, this is like, it's it's just like they're focusing for the they're focusing on clients that exist yes but like it's like a 25 it's like less than 25 percent of the market at this point like there's so many other other types of people who are getting married now you know and non-traditional weddings non-traditional couples um non-traditional outfits even like there was always the wedding dress and the, the, the tuxedo the, you know the, the man the woman the stereotypical wedding outfits like you couldn't, you know, do something like more modern, you know, to show that there's more to weddings than just a bride in a white dress and a groom in a black suit. Yeah. So that was That's so surprising to me. And it's been a year. It's been a little over a year since we it had has this been a year. Like, yeah, they, they sent out, WPVI sent out like a, a questionnaire, a post, a post-conference survey, you know. And I wrote this huge, like, I spent like two hours writing this whole thing up, basically, but I just said, but in a lot more detail um, and a lot more coherently. I thought about it a lot more. Um, and they never responded. Like, Which no is, response whatsoever. That's whatsoever. Also, yeah. That's surprising. I mean, it's been a year and I'm still making the horrible face that I made when you first told me. Um, and I think we talked on the phone or text message, so you probably didn't see my face initially, but now we're looking at each other over video. So you got to see the horrible face I'm making about it just because like, I cannot fathom that they didn't consider like even like tattooed or like colorful or, you know, like, like different types of couples outside of just like the traditional like long white wedding dress instead of like yeah. a jumpsuit or whatever like and it was like traditional like all the stage the staged shoots or the, the styled shoots that were on on the stages for Nikon and you know other brands it was all like it was such like stereotypical female pose stereotypical manly pose it's like the guy must be like you know, um, a, 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 like a comforting, strong presence, you know, in the picture and the woman must be very feminine and, you know, submissive in in the imagery. I'm like, who, what is this posing? Like, what is that? Is it like 1850 or something? It's like, can women vote yet? You know, what's going on? Um, who, who does this? Like who teaches this as like the way to pose people? Yeah. And it, it really threw me back to um I don't think you were photographing at this point. You may have been. Um, but when um when DC passed like that, you know, they recognized all types of marriages. Um, we had a lot of people coming in from like Tennessee and other states who were getting married in DC because 
gay marriage was legal in DC. Um, and were you, were you photographing that? I can't remember. What year was that? God, uh, 2012, 2013? 2013. I was still working my old, you know, desk job. Um, but I was doing a couple weddings every year. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember the big influx that went to DC. I mean, I, I was living out in Virginia anyway, so okay. I wasn't really, so, I wasn't really uh, tuned into the whole wedding, you know, industry very much either. Got it. Um, so we like used to get asked a lot. Um, specifically, I used to get asked a lot. Um, I use the royal we about photos in the hardy, but I mean myself, generally speaking, um, get asked about like how you pose people that are in same sex relationships. And I was like, I mean, it makes a difference to like an extent, but not really like people. I mean, I pose people by their personality and how they interact with other people. Like as I observe them. Exactly. Exactly. Force them into posing in ways that like it wouldn't normally what I imagine they wouldn't normally, you know, like how they would, how they would normally, you know, present themselves. That like is I just, ex- wa- I watch them, you know, I watch the couple interact with each other. And like, if one of them is more into like, you know, hugging the other, you know, then I'll incorporate that into the poses. Like that one person will be like embracing the other person more often, you know, so little things like that. I don't do it just because, Oh, um, you know, for like, this is the bride, this is the groom. Therefore, the bride must be embraced at all times, and the groom must look aloof and un, you know, slightly unhappy, but also in love at the same time. Yeah, I. It was. You just totally dredged up a very ancient memory for me by accident when you just said that, and I hate to go off on an aside, but I'm totally going to do it because at least it breaks like a little bit of the serious frustration that I have while I'm talking about this. Um, There was a dude who photographed a wedding I attended. And during the ceremony, he was wearing that shirt that was like, um, it was like the, it had the bathroom signs of the couple, like it, um, and, and the girl was like, coming across and like ball and chaining the guy in this like series of like bathroom signs and it was like basically like now and then the rest of your life underneath yeah <laughs> and i was like what are you wearing at a wedding <laughs> what are you wearing well that and like the whole concept of that is just kind of dated i mean granted this is probably <laughs> in like 2008 but still that is who thinks that's appropriate? Back to our subject. Um, I feel a little bit better after making fun of that shirt a little bit. Um, what was his name? <laughs> Tell us what his name was. I don't even know, but I remember open mouth staring at him. And there's a photo of me sitting in the ceremony um, because I sit in the best seat for me to be able to enjoy the ceremony. Um, not in the first row or anything, respectfully enjoy the ceremony when I'm a guest. Uh, It doesn't matter where it is. I'll sit in the seat that I can enjoy the most. Um, And I am open mouth staring at him in one of the photos of them like kissing or something because I saw it and I was like, and everything that I think crosses my face, it just is a, it's a blessing and a curse because usually I'm really happy. Um, Chris, you know this. Usually it's yeah. good. <laughs> Someone actually just recently just asked me what I wear to weddings, like when I'm shooting them. And I'm going to tell them I wear that t-shirt from now on. Oh, that's a good, yeah, that's a good <laughs> idea. Um, yeah. Uh, so back to posing. All of that depends on the couple. Like not every couple wants the veil over the head of the two of them, but some really want that. You know, like, okay, like if that's what they want and it look, it's like their vibe, great. If that's not what they want, like, we're not going to be like, here, throw that veil over the two of you. There we go. Thankfully, I, I don't seem to attract the couples who want the veil over both their head photos. 
You have photographed <laughs> some of those with me, though. With you, yes. But, like, me as an independent person, Chris Frenzy, of Chris Frenzy Photography does not attract clients <laughs> who, um, who, who like veil over double head pictures. <laughs> I, I could, I could see it. Um, and I love it too. I think one of the best things to me about the way that you work is you really connect with all of your couples. Even when you're working with me, um, you, you connect with everybody that's there and you find these like special magical moments and it's not just the framing it's all of the things um and it's even like the little tiny humans and the dogs or whatever um that's going on i i just love it i have a ton a ton of respect for your skill yeah kids i like taking pictures of little kids even though like i'm not like the best with little kids like if i'm behind the camera i'm able to like make them look really good and cool and funny but like if i was like interacting with them interacting with interacting with them without the ca- uh, the camera i'm like uh what do i do <laughs> <laughs> so i'm glad i have the camera and i'm glad i have a the skill to do to make them look good in pictures at least you do and you make it hard to choose the pictures that are the best ones when you take photos of them <laughs> so they get all nine <laughs> there you go the trick is if the parents are yelling at the kid for, for doing something they don't want them to be doing, take as many pictures of po- as possible of the thing they're doing that they shouldn't be doing before they like are stop, forced to stop doing it. And those are the pictures you want. <laughs> That's true. Those are the cutest. They definitely – because most people as adults grow out of the face showing everything they're thinking. I unfortunately never did. Um, but – when you have a little kid, they always have that face. Like they know they're doing something bad, but they're so happy about it. <laughs> I'd be happy about, I mean, I am happy about, happy about it. It's like so my personality. Chris- <laughs> so true. I love it. Um, so Chris, tell me what's your favorite thing about photographing weddings or a favorite story you have? I guess this is uh, tangent. Well, it's related to a wedding, but it's not really about something that happened at a wedding. Um, it's the the great battery disaster of 2011. I think it was 2011. Um, I was living in Virginia at the time. And I'm from New Jersey, so my parents live in New Jersey. But I had, I had a wedding the next day in Pennsylvania. So I was driving up to uh, New Jersey to spend the night before the wedding, um, which was in Pennsylvania the next next morning. Um, so I left Virginia around like 9 p.m. You know, fully fully uh, you know confident that I had everything I needed. You know, to do a great job at the wedding the next day. I get to New Jersey around midnight. It's like a three hour drive, and uh, before I go to bed, I'm going through all my gear and I'm making I'm like just making sure everything's charged up, making making sure my lenses are. You know, clean memory memory cards are in the camera, formatting and whatnot. And I realized I only had one battery with me, and it wasn't fully charged. I didn't even have a charger with me. So, like, I'm panicking right then. I'm like, okay, where can I get a, a an EN EL five B battery um, for my Nikon camera, either now or tomorrow morning before nine a.m. Um, the answer is nowhere. I could not. So I basically just got back into my car, drove three hours down to Virginia, walked in my apartment, grabbed a battery, grabbed two batteries and a charger. Within five minutes, I was back on the road going to New Jersey. So I got back to New Jersey at 3 a.m. and then got all my stuff together again, calmed down, um, slept for about three hours before I had to get up again and head to the wedding in Pennsylvania, which was a two hour drive from the New Jersey, my spot, my house in New Jersey. Um, and the wedding went fine. I ended up taking a nap during one of the, the, the downtimes. I was second shooting. So I didn't have to, um, I, I had a good amount of downtime in, in the middle of the day. Um, cause it was a, a very slow going wedding. So I just took, I just fell asleep in my car for a little bit with the permission of the head photographer. I was like, I'm just gonna go relax for like a half an hour. And he's like, go do it. I need you awake later. 
So I did that. But now every time I have a wedding, literally the first thing that pops into my mind is, do I have a charger? Are my batteries charged? Do I have more than one? Like every, literally every wedding or every shoot I go to, that's the first thing. I'm always like battery charger. Must have, must have both with me at all times. So it's good. It was a, it was a learning, learning experience. Um, but it's like PTSD ingrained in my mind, like the darkest night of my photography career. Oh my God. I can only imagine, um, how that would have been for you. And that's how I feel about syncing my cameras. I have learned the hard way so many times about syncing the cameras. The trick is to make sure the AM and the PM are synced too. Oh, I shoot on military time. So you know for sure that it's uh, synced. It's amazing to me that these cameras somehow lose minutes of time just like in the course of a week. Yeah, they're like, really like, like you can't sitting around losing time. Yeah. Like you can't not have that happen. It's like twenty twenty one. Make that not happen. <laughs> maybe it's like Toy Story and they're just like having fun and we don't know. It's true. Or maybe like one of them's closer to a very large gravity well and time is actually moving slower. <laughs> like literally moving slower. So or faster. And that's why the clocks are slightly different. I mean, it's, it's relativity. It's general relativity. It's, you know, it's been proven. So I mean, I got it. I got it. This is just one, one of my theories about why cameras do not stay in sync. (laughs) Oh my God, Chris, I, you are one of my favorite humans. I really appreciate you being here. Um, what uh where can people find you on Instagram and on your website? Um well they can find me, Chris Forenzi of Chris Forenzi Photography at <laughs> www.chrisforenzi.com. Um that would be my website. And on Instagram, I'm still using the screen name that I had. Screen name, that sort of dates me. My internet handle. Um it's Chris Delta. I, I created it in like 1995 based off my name, Chris and Delta as in the Delta quadrant, which is where the Starship Voyager on Star Trek Voyager was stranded. So I was Chris Delta before then I was Neelix 1029. I don't know where 1029 came from, but Neelix was a character on, um, on Voyager, but Chris Delta definitely is better, you know, a better name than Neelix 1029 for an official business. Even though Chris Delta isn't like the most, professional thing at this point i'm like if i change it to like chris forenzi or chris forenzi photography all the old tags will be broken you know it's like so like it, it doesn't I it's mean, not that big it's not that big of a deal it seems like you should just change your business, business name, name to chris forenzi at chris delta photography yeah, so yeah chris delta photography <laughs> someone actually recently thought my last name was delta and i'm like mm, no but that would be interesting yeah, so that's like that that that's where you can find me. Long story short, ChrisFrenzy.com and uh Chris Delta at Inst- for Instagram. And we will tag you and we'll of course be sharing some of the amazing photos that Chris has taken over the last few years. Um definitely a talented photographer for everybody to keep an eye on. Um and I definitely if- definitely only share pictures in the last few years because before then I was horrible. No, you weren't. <laughs> horrible. Beyond horrible. Just like everything was magenta for some reason. I had a magenta phase where I'm like plus 50 magenta on everything. I don't, I don't understand that. But it was a thing. I don't know. You photographed <laughs> me several times. and I Yes, and you were very magenta. Was I? I don't know. I'm just saying things. But I do tend to edit towards the magenta side. Unrelated. <laughs> I mean, I do have red hair, so I am naturally a little bit more magenta. Yes, that's true. I did actually post a photo that you took today in real life today, not when this episode drops on District Bliss events um, about where yeah. people post events what from picture? way back. It's of Katie and me, Katie from Paw Inclusive, who is one of our favorite other favorite people. Um, who also conveniently does pet sitting at weddings. She does. Uh, and, and all, wrangling. All wedding, pet wrangling. All weddings should have 
be everyone's pet should be there, and there should also be a pet wrangler, which is Katie. By the way, uh, sorry again. Aside, um, my neighbor hired her for pet wrangling at the wedding, and also to take care of the dog while they're on their honeymoon. And they're going to do like a mini away weekend this weekend to test it mm. out. So Katie will be in my neighborhood. It's exciting! You can let her take care of your dog too, Klaus. <laughs> I'm surprised you never realized he was named after the Pink Panther. I, I watched the Pink Panther cartoon, and I was just really into the Pink Panther itself. It was like I had a little figurine of the Pink Panther-looking thing. Please go back and watch the Peter Sellers Pink Panthers. I like the cartoon. I like the actual pink, cute-looking panther thing. I mean, I fully support that. I, mean, I had a stuffed animal version. It was adorable. I We have... Clouseau has many Pink Panther stuffed animals, um, and we fully support that. But you will completely understand why he is named that, because that is absolutely his personality. He is a hot mess express investigator. <laughs> I right. consider it. So – you can find Chris at chrisforenzi.com and we'll link to him, of course. And at Chris Delta, you can find us at the Wedding Dish Podcast um, or visit our website at theweddingdishpodcast.com and you can read our show notes. Um, we are committed to accessibility, so you can get our transcripts. You can apply to be a guest like this guy over here. Um, and we will be, of course, bringing you all kinds of juicy wedding tips and tricks um, from all kinds of amazing humans. Um, so I will catch you all next week. Please follow, rate, and review if you haven't already. And have a wonderful rest of your day. Cheers, everybody.